Coming up on this week's show, the authors from the Hockey Allies Bachelor Bid Romances are here with all the details on these new books. This is the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome to episode 234 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Will from willkanaus.com, and with me, as always, is my co-host and husband, Mr. Jeff Adams. Hello, everybody. This episode of the podcast is brought to you in part by our remarkable community on Patreon. We'll have more information on how you can join them at the end of the show, along with a sneak peek of what we have coming up for you next week. Welcome back, everyone. Another week, another show. We are so glad that you could join us and that you've taken the time out of your busy at-home lives to listen to us recommend some books. We're not really going to give you any advice because we ourselves are still trying to figure out what living in these times actually means and how it's going to affect our jobs and our productivity going forward. We're still figuring that out, probably like the rest of you. So we'll see. I guess we'll just see how it goes, right? We're, we're all in it together. <laughs> just a quick reminder, the first edition of the Big Gay Fiction Book Club, that episode is going to drop Tuesday, March 31st. And the book that we're going to be talking about is Annabeth Albert's Arctic Heat. Yes, we will be talking about that fabulous book starting, well, tomorrow, if you happen to be listening to this on Monday. Look for that in your podcast feed. We do want to take a moment to note the passing of playwright Terrence McNally. Last year, we talked about a documentary about him. It's called Terrence McNally, Every Act of Life. It originally appeared on PBS as part of the American Masters series. We loved it then. We recently went back and looked at it one more time. Terrence passed away this past week from complications of COVID-19. And if you haven't taken a look at this documentary, we highly recommend it. Terrence was remarkable and he had an amazing career that spanned several decades. The things he wrote and the work he did and the people he did it with really kind of encompass everything that the modern American theater is all about. And I think that's something that you kind of get a really interesting behind the scenes look at. There are Oh my God, dozens of Broadway luminaries who do interviews about their experiences working on the many, many shows that Terrence wrote. It's a really remarkable documentary. Highly recommend everyone check it out. It's interesting to me to realize how far reaching his work was. He wrote a lot of plays about the gay experience, things like Love, Valor, Compassion, Mothers and Sons but also plays that really highlight the human experience like ragtime. And from a creative standpoint too, it resonated with me in this particular viewing of the documentary that he didn't feel that he was a playwright until Mothers and Sons hit Broadway in 2014. And this was after he'd had several plays that were wildly successful. Yes, he had his failures too, but just a really remarkable career. Um, very pleased that we have seen so many of his works. Something else to point out, too, that connects and could be a timely viewing. We've talked on this show a couple times already this winter about the CW show Katie Keene. And just two weeks ago, they had an episode where Jorge, who plays the drag queen and one of Katie's friends, was working on an entire performance piece around Kiss of the Spider Woman. And several songs from that score showed up wonderfully in that episode. So we'll put that in the show notes as well, alongside Terrence McNally, Every Act of Life, which we highly recommend you can check out on Amazon Prime. Hi, I'm Jay from the LGBTQ romance review blog, Joyfully Jay. At Joyfully Jay, we review tons of LGBTQ romance, as well as romantic fiction and nonfiction. We review ebooks, audiobooks, and even the occasional movie. We typically review about 18 books a week, so Joyfully Jay is a great place to hear about new releases, catch up on books you may have missed, and find some new favorites. In addition to our reviews, each weekday we host an author as our first post of the day. This gives readers a chance to learn more about new releases, get exclusive excerpts, find out about the author, and participate in great giveaways. Each author post on Joyfully Jay is exclusive, so you get access to book and author information you can't find other places. At Joyfully Jay, we love LGBTQ romance and are excited to share it with you. Stop by the blog at joyfullyjay.com. 
You can also visit us on our Facebook group, The Joyful Jays. We'd love to have you join us. The book I want to talk about this week is called Someday, Someday by Emma Scott. Now, Emma's a new-to-me author, and I'm so very glad that I made this discovery because Someday, Someday is a beautifully complicated book about overcoming your past, keeping important people close, and embracing who you're supposed to be. Max and Silas, who are the heart and soul of the story, come from very different backgrounds, but they are equally broken. Max Kaufman was thrown out of his house at an early age and lived on the streets doing what he could to survive. He battles addiction, but he has pulled himself up, went through nursing school, and currently has a job in a hospital. But he wants out of that heartbreaking job, and he finds the right opportunity to become a private nurse to a millionaire client who has multiple sclerosis. Now, despite being the son of a millionaire, Silas March's life hasn't been easy either. His father longs for the perfect son. Silas's brother Eddie wasn't that because of Asperger's syndrome. But when Silas disappointed him because he was gay, dad sent him away to be fixed in the Alaska wilderness. With the MS diagnosis, it's time for Silas to take over the family pharmaceutical company. But first, his dad wants him to be engaged to prove that he's fit to take over. Silas is set to go through with this ruse and even has a woman willing to go along for the ride in his best friend, Faith. He doesn't expect the handsome man he met at a recovery meeting to end up working as one of his father's nurses, though. Initially, he wants Max fired because he feels like Max is way too close to him since they ran into each other initially at that recovery meeting. But as Max settles in, these two go from enemies to something of a loose kind of truce before they finally move into the friends and ultimately lovers category. Max and Silas really captured my heart. They've been through so, so much, and neither believes that they're much suited for a relationship because of all the baggage. The only thing either has much confidence in is doing their jobs. Now, watching these two soften up towards each other brought on so many feels. While they've both had it hard, I really felt for Silas slightly more because he needs his father's approval to take over the company, which he absolutely believes should stay in the family. As he prepares to assume that lead role, he discovers that the company has been pushing opioids in a very illegal and immoral way, and he's determined to put a stop to that and right the company's wrongs at all costs. Now, Max has his own set of issues, too. He's really trying to repair his relationship at home. While he and his sister have a strong relationship, he's working on patching things up with his mom and hoping, perhaps beyond hope, that he can do the same with his father. And he's not sure where a boyfriend fits into all that. Not to mention that he's still in recovery for his addictions, too, and that he probably really shouldn't be dating the boss's son. It's Silas's older brother, Eddie, who really helps bring the couple together. Now, Eddie misses nothing, and he isn't afraid to call people out, either. Silas is more himself around his brother than anyone else as he plays piano for him and makes sure that he gets taken care of properly. And it's really the moments where Max and Silas are around Eddie where the bridge starts to build between these two men. As they spend more time together, though, it becomes obvious to them that they have a spark and that they're really drawn for each other and in many ways truly good for each other. But as outsiders kind of start to figure out what's happening, uh, that freaks Silas out because he really doesn't think he can have this surface. Everything comes to a head at the March Halloween party, and it's some of the most spectacular fireworks that I've seen on a page that, again, though, left me with all the feels. The way that these two manage to bring themselves together and finally stand up for what they want out of life just made this truly one of the best books that I've read over the past few months. And I've read some really good ones, so you know that's saying a lot. I really love how Emma blended together these two men with some very deep wounds, both caused by family, and added the great characters of Eddie and Faith to give even more dimension to the story. These guys fight for themselves and ultimately fight the good fight for each other, and I absolutely loved it. I recommend Someday, Someday by Emma Scott, and I'm very much looking forward to talking to Emma about this book when she's going to come on the show later this spring. Now, if you're interested in learning more about books or anything else that we've discussed on this week's show, all you have to do is go to the show notes page for episode 234 at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. Did you know that podcasts love to get reviews too? Taking a moment to leave a review about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast helps us with the show's visibility online. Please take a moment to visit iTunes and leave a review. 
Your comments help other readers of Gay Romance discover this show. Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. So I am super excited this week to welcome my co-authors of the Hockey Allies Bachelor Bid Romances, which actually go on pre-order this week. I am going to welcome R.J. Scott, V.L. Losey, Susan Scott Shelley, and Chantal Marr, and we're going to talk all about these new hockey romances. I am so excited to welcome the co-authors who worked with me on the Hockey Allies Bachelor Bid series. We've got R.J., Vicky, Susan, and Chantel here. Hello, everybody. Hi. So I want to have everybody introduce themselves. Vicky and RJ are return guests here, but we're going to have them do that too. But we're going to start with our newbies of Susan and Chantel. So Susan, we'll start with you. Okay. Well, hi everybody. Um, I'm Susan Scott Shelley. I live in Philly. I'm a big hockey fan and I've been writing for, I guess, about the past 10 years and I do a lot of sports. Sports are good. So Philly, is it? A, are you a Flyers person? or? Uh... I definitely grew up as a Flyers fan, but I also followed what eventually ended up being the Colorado Avalanche when a bunch of the Flyers left in the Lindros trade. So I follow mainly the Avalanche and the Flyers right now, although every so often I pick up another team because I have the NHL package, so I watch like a lot. But yeah, I def- probably first and foremost Flyers and then everybody else. All right. So, good deal. Yeah. Chantel. Hi, I'm Chantel Mayer, and I'm new to, I just released my first book in November, so I'm new to the whole writing thing. I know. Oh, my gosh. A baby. (laughs) A baby writer, not a baby in age, so... So this has been, I've had so much fun writing, writing this book and just being involved with you all. It's, it's been a blast. And I live outside of Philadelphia, so I'm fairly close to Susan. We're critique partners. We are critique partners, yes. Fantastic. Also flyers for you, or do you have other allegiances? Well, you know, I really, my... My allegiance really is with Gritty. I mean, <laughs> he goes, there I shall go also. That's the best that ever. I mean, really, what what else is there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Vicky, who I already know is a Rangers fan. Everybody knows that. <laughs> like, oh, the first thing people say, oh, that broad that likes the Rangers. Yeah, I know her. I'm Vicky Losey. I write under the super secret pen name of VL Losey. I've been writing hockey romances for about eight years now. And then uh, two or three years ago, I guess RJ and I started writing. Has it been that long? Uh, I think it's been about three years. Yeah, three years this summer. Wow. Wow, that went fast. So we, we co author, we're on our third hockey romance series now. And yeah, I'm a Rangers fan. I live in. Pennsylvania, but way up at the border where I border along New York. So that's why I say I follow the Rangers. Excellent. And RJ. Hi, everybody. I'm RJ. I live about 40 miles northwest of London in England, if you can't tell by the accent. I am a Penguins fan. Woohoo! Even though Chantel and Susan are Flyers fans. They're okay people. Um, I don't really have a second team. I I follow bits and pieces of the Rangers because with Vicky as a bestie, you can't really not because you get to hear it all. And uh, obviously I was hugging her very gently when her man left. Uh, We we can't can't talk about Matt. And obviously when Flower went off to Vegas, Mm. I was heartbroken. So, yeah. I keep my eye on him as well. I, I follow the Knights for the same reason, because I was devastated when he left. Oh, devastated, yeah. This year, it's my 10-year anniversary of writing. Congratulations. Yay, Yay thank you. Big celebration soon. And I've been writing hockey romance for about four years. Um, the last three years with Vicky. The last book we wrote, we wrote in three weeks, flat, maybe wow. less. Wow. Literally, it just <laughs> fell out of us. And it's possibly the best thing we've written together, I think. And as we record this on the Saturday, the release is tomorrow. So it's quite exciting. Oh, wow. Great. Yeah. What's the name of it? Tell us the name. Shadow and Light. 
excellent. I love that title. That's a good yeah. title, yeah. Shadow and Light. But the, the best one we've got is book four, which is Sugar and Ice. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> How cool is that? But this is our third our third hockey series that we've written together, as Vicky said, and it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I've had to put up with Vicky, but other than that, it's been great. <laughs> After three years, you probably know how to do that, though. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She just tones me out completely. Now. <laughs> so all projects have their origin story, and the origin of Hockey Allies Bachelor Bid lies with Susan. Yes. Tell us how this came about and how you went, okay. a, went about finding everybody to, to play in this world with yeah. you. Sure. So I found an article on OutSports, and they were talking about the New York Gay Football League and how they were holding a bachelor auction for to raise money for, I guess, something for, for the league. And I was thinking to myself, that right there, like, that's totally a romance novel, right? Like, I could just see all these, like, you know, sports guys coming together for a bachelor auction. And I'm like, well, obviously hockey is my first love. Like I like football too, but like hockey's like my thing. And I love RJ and Vicky and I loved the Railer series. And I was like, I, I have to immediately talk to RJ and Vicky. And that's how it kind of started. And RJ and Vicky, what did you guys think of the idea of the bachelor auction as the tie together? Oh, I think it's a brilliant idea. Oh, I just yeah, think it's love- so cool. Yeah, we were like totally in the, the first time Susan mentioned it. We're like, oh, yeah, we're there. I just thought it could be like, everyone's series all coming together. And like, I guess like, like I'm a fan anyway of theirs. And like, I love them. And just like, I wanted, you know, my think- Buffalo team to have other people to play with. So. <laughs> I think when I was growing up, I very much loved, you know, that kind of old Mills and Boone type stories where there was some kind of auction mm-hmm. and that the rich guy got the girl or the girl got the rich guy or the, whichever way around it is. And I, I just loved the thought of these. I mean, we have got some really good looking hockey players out there <laughs> yeah. uh, in real life. Yeah. So it was very easy to get inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I also liked how like this, this idea, it grew and it, and it's encompassing the whole LGBT community and mm-hmm. and hockey. And I really liked that idea a lot and that, you know, we bring the LGBTQ community together for this bachelor auction and all of our individual players are involved. Mm-hmm. And it's it was just a really, really good idea. Yeah. That took brilliant. away immediately. Inspirational. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Hockey Allies in the series is an organization that we kind of modeled after You Can Play, which, of course, uh-huh. is an organization that seeks to fight for equality and respect and good sportsmanship across the board, regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity. So yeah. it, it all fed in really well together. Uh-huh. Yeah, it did. And, and also because the hockey world in itself, if you're a fan long enough, you, you come to understand that most of these guys know each other i mean they've they've built right. it together or they've played right. in college or they've they've been on this team that team that team this team so it's just it right. it fits that they would all at least know each other and be like oh yeah hey you know hi there you know i remember you from when we were playing back in junior you know and mm-hmm. so it's just everything just melded really well yeah Chantel, how did you come to the group because as you noted you're the newbie here uh, what new. was your entry um, well, Susan <laughs> and I usually um, meet monthly, have lunch, and we do plotting and, you know, critiquing. And so she was telling me about this idea, and she said, you know, you should write something. And I was a little leery because, again, I'm a newbie. <laughs> but as usual, Susan was encouraging, and so I was like, okay. And I just, my guys just kind of appeared like you know and said we have a story so it was Susan's fault so it's all Susan's fault. <laughs> I take full responsibility. Chantal is an amazing writer and I've been in love with one of her minor characters from her book that she released in November and I kept saying he needs a story he needs a story and eventually I know she's going to do the story because I will badger her until it happens. But <laughs> I started I kind of his like, story. I started his story. <laughs> she was planning on doing LGBT stories and I was thinking thinking like, well, this is a great way to get in. Like, this is a great group of people. And 
I just really wanted to be in a project with her and it all just came together and her story is amazing. I got to read it first and I'm very happy. It's all great. That's really good. I'm really, really impressed. Yeah. Very, very good. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> I'm the odd man out. I haven't read it yet because I've been trying to finish my own. I got to get on that. <laughs> Susan mentioned you were going to write an MM story. Your first book was MF. Yes. How was it kind of getting into the MM romance as a writer? And had you been reading it before that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I read everything. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I've always read it. I didn't find it. I guess my the my prologue. That was my biggest concern because I had to have them. Someone says something really mean, and I didn't want to be too mean, but I needed it to be. <laughs> I needed it to be bad, so that was my big concern. And then the sex scenes; those are always my concerns, whether it's MF or MM. <laughs> so agreed. I think the thing with this story is it was the first time I wrote in first person, and I don't know. I I wrote it in first person. That's just how it came out. So that was that was different for me. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I, for some reason I started in third, and I'm like, this is so wrong. So by chapter five, I was back in first. <laughs> yeah, you know, don't you? Like, if how it's, well, I always write in first, but like, yeah, you know, when it's not working quickly. Yeah. I I yeah. never written in first until I met Vicky, and we decided to start writing uh, Tennant and uh, Jared's story and changing lines and it was like first person no I can't I'm not sure I could do that I think it's it, it, it just wasn't me and then literally the first chapter I wrote I was hooked and quite a few of my books now um are in first person because it just feels like I can get inside their head more mm -hmm. so yeah I think because I wrote their trauma scenes which are only for me I wrote them in first person and so I think I, I I guess that's why then they felt I, I felt like I had to write them in first person. I don't know that, it, it, but again, they just came out that way. Cool, it worked, it worked really well. And I think I got to the project. I, I tried to go back in chat histories, and we've been working on this project for. I think it's almost been a year, and maybe yeah. only nine months. But yeah. I think it was it, it was either Vicky or RJ who brought me in because we'd worked together on changing on the fly too. Mm -hmm. And it was one of you guys who said, hey, there's this thing. And I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> really think about it. <laughs> if it's a good thing, then it was me who suggested it. <laughs> the nice thing is we all worked so well together. Because, I mean, initially there was only the thread of the idea of there would be this bachelor auction. Mm -hmm. And everything would connect through there. And then everything else... You know, we had a couple of big planning sessions of who the characters were and what the auction would be like. Because, of course, we can't all ha have auctions that sound different. <laughs> <laughs> what did you all think of how we planned and organized? Uh, and especially if you've done shared universes before, how did this kind of compare? This was my first shared universe. There was a, the very first um, anthology I was in. All of our guys were on the same team and it was a cup winning team that was kind of put together like Vegas, but that was the only connection and it was basically the summer after the cup. So we didn't have to have our teammates involved at all if we didn't want to. So this was the first time that I've been in something where we actually had to really, we had to know each, you know, each other's players names and when the auction was going to be and what the hotel looked like and what the auction looked like and who the MC was and all that stuff. But I think we did pretty good with um like I, I like to see things in front of me. So having our docs with our all of the information, our files, really helped because I, I need I need plans, I need it on paper. So everybody was so good with getting all of that information together and I think it really helped uh, really shape the world well. Yeah, Google Docs, Vicky and I use those a lot when we're planning mm -hmm. for our joint books because they're just, they're free, they're out there, and it's one place where you can see absolutely everything that forms part of the series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it worked really well. I think it was really smooth. And yeah. I think Chantelle mentioned before we came into the recording part that she, is this not how 
a project normally works and we had to say to her not always no right it, it, sometimes it isn't as smooth so fair play to I'm, us for I'm blaming all of you for ruining me then because <laughs> yeah it's been such a lovely experience <laughs> Well, we're going to have to do it again then, aren't we? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh. <laughs> Let's dig into talking about these books a little bit. Now, we've we've structured them so they can each totally be read standalone if, if desired. But I think, you know, between the five of us, we've always kind of had an order that we envisioned uh, mm-hmm. how they would go. So I'm going to go in that order as we talk about the books. And that means we kick off with RJ's Guarding Garrett. Oh, yeah. Well, the reason I thought that mine probably should go first is because my book actually kind of ends around the auction and Mm. the action culminates around the auction. So you've got the build up of poor Garrett, who is this big, strong Tyler Sagan type Instagram, lovable, gorgeous guy who is doesn't take any shit from anybody. And on the on the ice, he's like a god. Um, invincible but then he gets a stalker and that's where Jason comes in and their relationship grows against the threats and the the danger and the the secrets that unfold and it kind of comes to a head around the auction so my book actually ends just with the auction and what happens at the auction so it kind of makes sense that mine built up to that and then you can go on to the next person but they can all be read as standalones they all happen at different times around the auction. It's not like everybody's chapter one is, here's the auction, this is how our guys met, and then the story happens. So it, it fits in in different places. I really like how we did that too. We didn't even really talk about that. It just kind of happened that way. Yeah, right. yeah very yeah. organic, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It's just brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I just really enjoyed writing it and I love bodyguard stories anyway because I mean I've got several of my series are based around bodyguards and forced proximity and love and the angry kiss it's all my favorite tropes all all rolled into one book so it's it's, like her angry kisses I can tell you that I I do like my angry kisses and there is one in this book so that's that's a plus that's a tip Kind of yeah, the other so thing I, mean, I like, too, is that we, we all went in kind of different tropes and, you know, subgenres, too. Yeah, yeah. And that was organic also. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we had a blank canvas, didn't we? It was like, right, take two guys right. and, and, and write their story. And it could be any story. It could have been anything at all. If it had been around Christmas, I'm sure we'd have all come up with different stories that you know, that, that involved Christmas, but it just so happens that we wanted to set this story around the now not happening Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. that's the thing, right? We we organized our release. So, you know, the books all go on pre-order, uh, wide release on March 31st. We do a wide release on April 7th, which should have been the beginning of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And then we go into KU on April 9th. But yeah, now we're giving everybody hockey when there's no hockey to watch. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so really, we've been very, it's a very altruistic project. <laughs> Vicky, tell us all about Loving Lane. Loving Lane. Well, when I first started I, I, to wrangle up an idea for this story, I'm not a plotter at all, so everything is very organic with me, but I generally will settle on the trope, and if if I can do an age gap, then <laughs> that's the trope I'm going with. <laughs> that's my gym jam, is an age gap. So, you know, Loving Lane is that it's an age gap, and it's also a best friend's father, which is and interesting, I've never written one of those before, and it was a very interesting dance to, <laughs> to get it so that everything worked well in the story and that things weren't too, even my editor at one point was like, are you sure about this? I'm like, yep, yep, it's, it's fine, it's fine, yeah. <laughs> they'll be fine. But it's about a, basically a journalism major who is is pulled to 
Chicago, where the bachelor bid takes place by his best friend, and his best friend is sitting on this huge secret, and the secret is revealed during the bachelor bid in a very public way. So I I don't want to give away a whole lot, but I probably did saying the best friend's father, but (laughs) oh well, oh well. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yours was the first book I read because you you finished this book, I think before most of us had even started the rest of it. Yeah, <laughs> she's insanely productive. Yeah, I, I am. Yeah, yeah, I like the little kind of that kind of stuff. The the secret mystery kind of thing was really interesting to me, and how it all worked into the story. Yeah, it was. It was like I said. It was. It was quite a little bit of a tap dance because that that trope can be kind of like uh, it can make people go oh you know like not the age gap well the age gap can too but it's a pretty substantial age gap as well which also is my gym jam so there was a lot of 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 fine tuning like in editing to make sure like my editor was happy with it because when I wrote it of course I'm happy with everything I write because everything I write is just golden (laughs) ask RJ she will tell you all yeah, my- absolutely, yes. Vicky. Okay. Everything you write is wonderful. Yes, everything. <laughs> All my words are gold. But, you know, so I wanted to make sure that getting this from an outside source, that this everything worked. And my editor was very happy with it. And then, so I'm assuming it's all good. We'll find out. <laughs> it's brilliant. It worked so it's brilliant. well. It did, yeah, it worked really well. Yeah, I um, love it. Good, good, good. So third in the sequence is my book, Keeping Kyle, I kind of swung to kind of a sweet, almost category romance. So I've got like a tech entrepreneur, Austin, who has this, has had a wild crush on Kyle since they were in the same high school together. They didn't know each other at all, but they were in the same high school and Austin followed Kyle's career as Kyle went through college in Ann Arbor and then ended up on the Detroit Arsenal. And when he got the opportunity to go to Chicago for the All-Star game and then bid on Kyle, he was not going to lose. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is, for both of these guys, they've both had different but similar childhoods. Kyle lost his father when he was eight, and he was very much told he was the man of the family, had to take care of the family, even though he was eight. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it kind of stuck with him. And he's also the subject of trade rumors because Detroit needs some defensemen. And so he's worried about now having to leave his hometown and where he's supposed to be in his mind. Whereas Austin grew up poor. His parents worked multiple jobs. Once he was of age to start contributing to the family, he was expected to really be doing homework or making money to help keep the family afloat but also expected to go to college and do great things. So he's built this tech company that he's unfortunately on the verge of losing. And so he's a workaholic trying to save that. And so you've got two people who really don't see time for a boyfriend and have all this other stuff going on. Mm -hmm. But then there's a little something, something (laughs) that kind of pivots Uh, their perception of things and what their lives maybe should be. And we was, love a little something, something. Yeah, it was so fun to write. And I have to say that RJ and I had a little fun on the side, too, because Garrett is Kyle's in, in best a way, friend. In a way, audience, in a way. <laughs> <laughs> RJ offered up Garrett as to be Kyle's best friend. I had a lot of fun kind of brainstorming some stuff with RJ because we made it where Garrett is Kyle's bestie from their junior days. Which was ridiculously fun for me. <laughs> it was a really nice tie-in too. It was just like another another neat little way of tying all these guys together, aside from the obvious things. Absolutely, I, I like how you know there's there's these little points of crisscross. So, Susan, yeah. let's hear all about scoring Slater. So Slater has been playing for Buffalo for the past three seasons. He got there as a rookie. He is very much attached to his phone and social media, and he posts all the time, and he's really gathered a following of fans. So he gets voted in as the last man in for his division for for the All-Star game. The love interest is his best friend, Noah. Noah was traded to the team over the summer. So they're best friends. They're also roommates and obviously teammates. And Slater's 
kind of in love with him and doesn't really know what to say or he should say anything because Noah got out of a relationship before he got treated and kind of wasn't looking for anything. They're very much an odd couple. Slater is kind of messy. Noah is very, very neat. Everything's in order. Color coordinated, uh, like ridiculously over the top. Definitely the Felix and Oscar. So Noah is very, 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 very private. The complete opposite of Slater posting every meal and selfie he can. Noah was outed at the draft and that had a huge media firestorm around it. So he's been very, very closed off and shut down since then. So everything with them is kind of opposite, but he he would love to have a relationship with Slater, but he doesn't really know if he's the, if he's the right person. And then, of course, the auction happens, and it might make them test that. I, I, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but I, I had such a good time with writing these guys. Like, I love, like, the best friends dynamic, and I want, really wanted to do something with teammates and, and the whole roommate situation. So this was, this was hard for me to write for, like, reasons outside of writing. But at the same time, I'm really happy with the way they came together. And I, I told Susan, I actually told her this last night, like, because I'm fortunate enough that I've been able to read it. And I think it's like, I mean, it, it has all the feels, all the feels. I mean, oh, it's so good. I love it. Yeah. Chantal's very, very good for me. <laughs> Chantal's character, Isaiah, I got to borrow him for a little bit in my book when we were plotting it out. I'm like, we've... I needed him. It was fun to have Isaiah pop up for me. I have to say that Friends to Lovers is one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> and then you add that teammate dynamic too, which turns it, of course, into workplace dynamics. Yeah. I suspect yours is going to be like crack for me because you hit some of my favorite tropes. Oh, and then the roommates too. So just... Just it just piles on. We yeah. have it. Just saying. These books have just about a little something for anybody, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever your Jim Jam is, we have it for you in these books. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So, Chantal, tell us all about Absolving Ash. So, Ash needed to be last because Ash actually retired 10 years prior. He retired from the NHL at the age of 24 after he injured Isaiah so badly that Isaiah had to leave hockey at the age of 20. And so my guys are, I mean, Ash is just so, he's so tormented. I love a tormented, (laughs) I love torment. I love, you know, like I said, I wrote trauma scenes. I'm always writing a trauma scene. Ash went to Chicago and he became a chef. And he's laid low. He's changed his name. He he is just out of the spotlight because he feels that he can never make up for what he did to Isaiah. And then Isaiah happens to be working the bachelor auction for the hockey network. He's doing kind of the fun little segments. So he's interviewing the bachelors and and getting footage and stuff. And so so he's there and Ash is catering the event. And it's when Lane in Vicky's book kind of pulls out of the event that they need an extra person and Ash gets pulled in. He doesn't want to, but he does it to help his friend, who is one of the people who runs the Hockey Allies auction. This is Rivals to Lovers. It's about forgiveness, about how we can forgive ourselves, how we can forgive each other, and, and you know, how these two guys find, find love. It's a fabulous redemption story. It's it so, is. really is. Very good. And they have dogs. They have cute the dogs. Dogs are my favorite. <laughs> Everything's better with a puppy. <laughs> As each of you were writing the stories, anything in particular that kind of threw you as a curveball as you were working through your stories? I, I don't actually plot any of it. So I think every single word I write is a curveball. <laughs> I, I think he'll tell you. I mean, you know, we, we go in with a chapter that I'm 
you know, supposed to be writing or she's supposed to be writing. And then it kind of changes halfway through because I, I, I always hate using this, this explanation, but it's like when you learn your characters and they start to talk to you mm-hmm. and, and it takes you in a completely different direction because you want them to do X, Y, Z and their characters telling you that actually they want to do ABC. So I think my books are constantly throwing me for curveballs, if that's an answer. Well, like just the process of being an organic writer, every time you sit down to write, you have the possibility of being thrown a curveball because you don't know where the character is going to take you, as opposed to like people who plot out like, I mean, some people are very serious plotters where they plot out every scene in a book, um, like with RJ and I, and we, we just pretty much sit down and be like, so what do you want to cover in this one? We'll be like, well, we're going to cover this. Okay. And then the next day, you know, you get the chapter back and you're like, okay, I did not see that coming. That's how it is even with my solo books, even like with this one. I mean, there were a few things in there, like I said, that required some real dancing because I wasn't sure how to handle this situation that cropped up. So, yeah, they're definitely there's I was in the, literally the middle of the book. For me, the auction happens in the middle of my book. So this is the second scene after they're back. Now they're back in Buffalo. And I'm writing and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking like the scene's not working, but I don't know why. And I get up and I'm walking around. And, and then it just comes to me something that probably should have been obvious from the beginning looking at it now. And it didn't. Something that would really, really dig in at, at Noah's wound. And it would be the worst possible thing in the world for him regarding Slater. And I'm like, oh, why did, you know, I, so <laughs> I guess it popped up late, but I'm glad it did. <laughs> but um, I, did yeah. Did you have so, to go back and like seed the, seed the information? I think it was kind of, that was already there. Like I went back and I added a couple of lines in because his, like Chantal, she, like, so Chantal, Ch- I'm talking for Chantal, but she comes from her social worker background and she's very much, you know, well, what's wrong? What's the wound? And yeah. for me, I'm always like, I'm a middle child and I like to fix everything. So I like to make everything happy for everyone all the time, <laughs> which is not good when you're writing a book if, they, if people are just happy all the time. So <laughs> I was like, I have to be mean to him and what would make him really uncomfortable. But it was so the, the thread was already there. I just had to push it a little bit more. So, but I'm happy that popped into my head because I th- it definitely made made the conflict stronger. So yeah, it definitely works. I think for me, one of the things I found surprising is that I actually plotted. I I've not really plotted as much as I plotted this book with Susan, and I found that it was really a lot easier to write. <laughs> so that was actually surprising to me. Susan and I sat down one day and I knew, you know, what beats I was going to hit. I didn't necessarily know how I was going to get there, but I knew I needed to get there. And so that was really, that actually surprised me is how much easier it was for me to write that that way. Kind of surprises in, in Kyle. These days I plot, like the last couple of years of books, I've plotted pretty heavily. But in plotting Kyle... The fourth act was kind of a black hole for me. I, I kind of obviously I knew I was headed towards a happily ever after, but I kind of didn't know what the dark everything falls apart moment was or how they fixed it. At the time of writing, I was in a online class uh, that Rachel Heron teaches called 90 Days to Done. And mm-hmm. the class actually helped me figure out that fourth act because each in the class everybody has a moment where they present something whether it's just here's what my story is or here's where I need help or whatever and so that class plus working with Will my husband figured out that fourth act and I was like thank god because <laughs> there has to be something that happens here but I was surprised at how much trouble I had coming up with the fourth act I think I didn't want to break these guys to the point of what had to happen in the fourth act because while you can't have them happy all the time, but I did, I like these guys so much. I didn't want to break them either. Yeah. I'm quite happy to hurt all of my characters. <laughs> <laughs> some of them, I think if, if I hurt some of my characters, I think some of my readers might hunt me down and kill me. Um, <laughs> look, look what we did. Well, it was all Vicky's fault, but we, 
we hurt one of our hockey players in our first uh, series of books and but we've we've rebuilt that hockey player through our other books but it mm. had to happen that dark moment had to happen and it affected all the people around them and and I think the dark the dark moment actually shows people how what, what kind of character they've got and how it can change them so I think yours worked really well what do you think it is that makes hockey romance consistently seems to do so well for me like the one thing that I've always like with hockey players more so than any other sport, they always seem to be more affectionate with each other, you know, because they've played together for years, you know, most of the time, like either like growing up, you know, juniors, like whatever. And like, you see them, they'll they'll hug, they'll like, there's a picture of Tyler Sagan at an airport, like laying on one of their guys sleeping. Like you'll see just like, I just, I feel like as much as there is still some homophobia, like I feel like there's just more affection. I like seeing that and that they're not afraid to like show that. So I think that's one of the reasons I really enjoy reading hockey romances. It makes sense to me that, I don't know, it's just kind of like. Yeah, I think you're making perfect sense. I mean, like if you look at a a normal hockey season is 80 games Mm -hmm. before playoffs. And if you're if you're on that team, you are spending seven, eight months with right. the other people. I mean, it's not like football where you get together. I mean, they have scrimmages, of course, but you know, it's once a week as opposed to hockey is three, four games a week. So you're with these people. This is your family essentially for eight months. Yeah. So I mean, of course, they're going to be the you know they're going to be as close as brothers. And mm-hmm. there's also just something about hockey players and I'm not I'm not saying this to to offend any other athletes but hockey players seem to have a greater sense of team if you listen to the interviews there is never I it's always we we, yeah. we need to play tight in the corners we need to score there's never I there's just something about that that how humble hockey players are that really appeals mm-hmm. to me and I think that starts from a young age because if you look at I mean, where I live, hockey is so big, you know, with kids. And I mean, even at like age four, like kids are out there. I mean, it's insane. But there's just this, there is this community, this this camaraderie that begins at such an, a young age. And I think that you, you see that throughout their careers. All right. As we wrap up, it'll be good to hear from everybody kind of what's coming up next and what your website is so that people can follow along to make sure that they keep up with your book. So, Chantel, tell us what you've got coming up after this Hockey Allies book. So I have the second book in my friendship series, which is Male Female, coming up, and that is Running from Friendship. So hopefully that will get out sometime in April, May. (laughs) something like that. <laughs> and then I hope to write a story about Leon, who is the character that Susan touched base on, who's in my first book, Returning from Friendship. And that will be a male male. I hope to get his story out because I love him. He's such a fun character. My books and newsletter and everything can be found on my website, ChantelMare.com. Fantastic. And Susan, what's headed up next from you? So the next thing I have coming up is the book two in my Bliss Bakery series. Uh, It's currently titled Falling Sweetly, but that title may change. That is Mail Mail, just like book one, which was Sugar Crush. So that should be out, I'm hoping for June slash July. And then after that will be the third book in my football series, which is Male Female, although that series is mixed MF and MM, just like my um, hockey uh, Buffalo series is. So I've been needing to get back to football. So hopefully that book will come out in time for football season. And all of my books and everything else about me are on my website, susanscottshelley.com. All right, Vicki, what's coming up next for you? Oh, my goodness. Well, as my effervescent co-author mentioned earlier, we have Shadow and Light. That will be available when this comes out. And then, of course, Loving Lane. And I guess looking in May, I have Final Shot coming out, which is the second book in my Overtime trilogy. And this is Dan Aru Kalinsky's story. 
which I was very excited about because I've written about 1,800 books about Victor Kalinsky, who is very pushy, and I'm surprised he even let me write about Dan, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> he has, so that one's going to be coming out in May, and we'll just stop at May. I have stuff coming out, all, but we'll just go with that. Uh, on my website, you can find my books, my publishing calendar, blog. I have a serial that's running. All of that can be found on vllosi.com. Excellent. And RJ. Okay, well, Guardian Garrett is coming out in early April. We've got Shadow and Light, which will be out by the time this is played. So that, that was with Vicky. And the next one we'll be writing in that is Sugar and Ice, which is coming out in July. I'm wrapping up my Lancaster Falls romantic suspense series with book three, All That Remains, which will be out in June. And then I'm switching back to my single dads, for book four, Always, which will be out kind of late July, early August. And if I get any time to sleep, I will try and catch up on some sleep. My website is rjscott.co.uk. There's lots of freebies on there and news and my blog and interviews and visiting guests and all kinds of shenanigans happen on that website. All right. Fantastic. We will link to everything we talked about in the show notes so that people can find that stuff quite easily. It's been so good talking to all of you and getting us back together to talk about the Hockey Allies series as it comes out to the world. Yes. Thank you. This has been so thank much fun. You. Thank you for having us. Thank you. This week's interview transcript has been brought to you by our community on Patreon. If you'd like to read the interview for yourself, simply head on over to the show notes page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. And thanks again to RJ, Vicky, Susan, and Chantel for coming over and talking to us about these new hockey romances. As you heard in the interview, pre-orders start this week, and the books will be releasing wide on April 7th and going into Kindle Unlimited on April 9th. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week's show. Now, coming up next week in episode 235, we don't know. It's mainly just going to be Jeff and myself talking about stuff we like. Most likely, it's going to be about books and movies. I would say that is probably pretty <laughs> accurate. So it's next, safe bet. <laughs> next week, uh, a special mystery episode, and we hope you will join us for that. Remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. Until next time, everyone, please keep turning those pages and keep reading. Big Gay Fiction Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find more shows you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. New episodes of this show are available every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. You can help support this show with a monthly pledge through Patreon. For more information about joining our community and the bonus content we deliver, check out patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. I'm Kurt Graves. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.